1: Hello, folks, and welcome to my coverage of the first round of the NFL Draft for 2022. A lot went down tonight, and I'll be honest, I got a lot of people to rip on and teams. So let's get right down to it. And we're going to talk about the trade of the night, the seismic shift uh, in terms of things going on, and just a team flat-out quitting uh, on any Super Bowl aspirations. So we're going to talk about it, and it is the Tennessee Titans trading their superstar and number one option in the wide receiver ranks, A.J. Brown, to the Eagles for only a first-round pick, which was the number 18 pick, and a third-round pick. This was insanity. There is no reason why AJ Brown should have been traded from the Titans. None. Point blank. This was a dumb trade. This is an F trade if you're the Titans. It's an, it's an A plus for the uh, Eagles because the Eagles can't draft for you know what when it comes to wide receiver. Everyone thought the Eagles were gonna like try try to push uh to grab a wide out and probably fail doing so. But that's where this was headed. Instead, the Titans, seeing the competition in the AFC, decide they're not going to pay A.J. Brown $100 million with a new deal, which is market value and well worth it, and just decide to punt on any Super Bowl aspirations because let's be perfunctorily clear, there is. Zero chance, the Titans are in the AFC Championship next year. No chance. Like there's no chance. Like like I'm I'm going point blank and saying no chance. They need so many injuries to happen in the AFC just to even make the playoffs at this point. If you're trading AJ Brown, because yes, you have Derrick Henry, but your offense is predicated on having play action and a downfield threat and Julio Jones probably isn't going to be on the roster uh, as we come around because the Titans are claiming that this was a salary cap uh, move because the extension with uh, AJ Brown, according to Titans GM, John Robinson, his exact words were we got to a spot spot where it was going to be hard to get a deal done. Implying, like, they had no choice but to trade him. I'm sorry. Uh, AJ Brown already posted on Twitter, he deleted the message, but he said, it's not my fault I got traded. This is such an idiotic move. I don't understand. You are essentially, you were the number one seed in the AFC in the playoffs last year. You were on the cusp of uh, making a run. You got beat by the team that actually did go to the Super Bowl. You're right there. What the? F- what do you mean you couldn't get a deal done? So you you're you're gonna just pull the report? This is this, and this is where I start getting and losing my mind over these teams just making these unilateral decisions. This was not that complicated. Here's here's really where it kind of boils down to. AJ Brown needs to get paid. You are paying Ryan Tannehill above market value at the QB position. Yes. Everyone likes Ryan Tannehill within the organization. That's great. But Ryan Tannehill is not the engine that moves that offense. You got Derrick Henry and you got AJ Brown. The truth of the matter is Ryan Tannehill is making $29 million next season and a cap hit of $38 million. And this is because of another restructuring of his contract they did last year. Listen. He may not like it, but this is one of those big boy conversations you got to have with Tannehill. You have to do the Tom Brady deal where you're constantly restructuring his deal. And if he's not okay with that, you need to explore other options at the QB position via trade to move on from Tannehill. Like, Tannehill's 34 years old. It's not like he has that much leverage. He's Ryan Tannehill. It's like he's nice, but it's like no one's going to break the bank for him. Uh, in terms of, like, uh, 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 pushing the envelope. So, uh, honestly, this this is mind-boggling for the Titans. You could have made a move to trade for a Daniel Jones. The Giants would have been dumb enough to try to do a deal for Tannehill. I guarantee you, like, the Giants management, you could have sold them. They're dumb enough to do it. Or, you go the Baker Mayfield route, and... I am not a Baker Mayfield fan, but for what the Titans have and team-wise, Baker Mayfield can do the things Ryan Tannehill already does, play-action-wise and scrambling-wise. Baker Mayfield can do those things. Uh, it's Again, it's a, yes, this is a maturity issue? Or are there other issues with uh, ego? Uh, yeah, but, you know, in terms of actual playing ability and running an offense in a particular system, There is no tangible difference between Ryan Tannehill and Baker Mayfield. I say this again. In terms of the Titans scheme and offense, there is no tangible difference between what you get out of Baker Mayfield versus Ryan Tannehill. And because of Tannehill's salary situation, if you can't get him to restructure that contract again to keep A.J. Brown on the roster, You have to figure out a way of moving on from Ryan Tannehill because getting rid of A.J. Brown in a salary cap move is beyond idiotic. You have just shot yourself in the uh, foot and just closed the window on any Super Bowl aspirations for salary cap reasons regarding Ryan Tannehill. Realistically, I... you can't sell that to a fan base. I, you know, maybe the Tennessee fan base is more forgiving uh, than I'm giving them credit for. But realistically, this is just a mind-numbingly dumb move because there were other ways of mitigating this, uh, the situation in terms of restructuring deals on the Tannehill side. And if he's not willing to do it, then you have to find other options, and there were other options available. Baker Mayfield being the more uh, most pressing one, but you have a Daniel Jones uh, as well that could run the offense. You could run. You could plug in Garoppolo in that spot for Tannehill. The the Titans basically. I mean, there are teams who need quarterbacks. The Steelers just like drafted uh, Kenny Pickett in the first round for. I mean. Steelers, who we'll talk about that. Um, but teams need quarterbacks. Like you can offload Ryan Tannehill to a team in need of a quarterback, and and, and have them uh, figure out the the salary deal. You need to actually keep AJ Brown in the fold with Derrick Henry with the salary you're paying him and just find another game manager QB to get it done. Like. This should not have been that complicated. I uh, Like, the fact that the Titans just decided to punt on A.J. Brown over a salary situation, but keep Tannehill at his contract salary, uh, you gotta be kidding me. I, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't understand the late, uh, and yes, I'm saying the word laziness because there needs to be more creativity and ambition in terms of these t- teams running NFL rosters, because you're seeing a problem with AJ Brown. You think AJ Brown's that replaceable? I don't really think so. You're they uh, the Titans drafted uh, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, and yes, our, uh, Burks was a yards after catch machine in college. But A.J. Brown was already a yak monster in the NFL, and it's harder to duplicate that at the NFL level than what you were getting out of Ryan Tannehill at the QB position being a game manager because we have plenty of game managers in the NFL. Not a whole lot of game breakers in terms of the quarterback position, but we do have game managers. Tannehill is replaceable. A.J. Brown, not so much, and the Titans literally just chose Tannehill over A.J. Brown. Uh, like this was a manageable situation and i I'm, I'm still not even convinced that ryan Tannehill wouldn't just accept taking the pay cut and just restructuring his deal and pushing out his base salary into future years and doing the the brady uh uh the, the brady method of just keep pushing out your salary and deferring it to just stay on the team like that was the whole point like uh, Tannehill may not have been up for it doing it again, but guess what? The team needed the money to pay AJ Brown and they opted just to not go down that route and just, uh, just punt on the, uh, the guy. And again, it wasn't like they got a huge haul from the Eagles on this trade. This is a master stroke for the Eagles. Like, uh, you know, I don't even know what else to say. Like it makes the giants moves tonight. Even worse in comparison to what the Eagles were able to pull off, because now the Giants, you know, they're the draft for the Giants looks even worse now, because the Giants try to do half and half with the offense and defense. I hate like I didn't even think they got uh, maximized the value out of both picks. I'll get it. I'll get into that, but it it's just. This is just ridiculous. Uh, like, uh, the Titans just made a terrible trade that benefits the Eagles, screws over the NFC East, and basically uh, waves the white flag in the AFC South. The Colts should win that division without question. Like, without question, the Colts should win that division. Uh, even though I am not a Matt Ryan fan, I've never been a R- Matt Ryan guy. Uh, this is just. This is just like criminal what the Titans did, in my opinion. I, I think they just punted on the entirety of next season while still paying Tannehill and Derrick Henry the, the salaries they're going to be making. Like that team, it, like with the way the AFC, AFC is structured right now, it, it was going to be a battle for the Titans next season. But I think it's a wrap. I I, I don't I don't see it. I really don't see it. Uh, how they're really competing next year in the AFC, given what they're up against. And now you took away the number one wide receiving option. It's going to be easier to lock down Derek Henry and, and stack the box. Like this is just not like from a logistics standpoint, it doesn't even make sense what the Titans just did tonight. It really doesn't. It doesn't make a lick of sense. And, you know, I I'm ranting about this for a good 10 minutes out because It deserves to be ranted about because if you're logically thinking through the process of how the Titans got to this point, the, the long and short of it is the Titans chose Ryan Tannehill over A.J. Brown. And if you pose it in that fashion, how many NFL fans would actually say, yeah, I want to take Ryan Tannehill over A.J. Brown? How many NFL fans would actually prioritize Ryan Tannehill? Maybe one out of 10, if that. I don't think anyone would ever say that, but that's essentially what the Titans did by not just putting the onus on Ryan Tannehill to restructure his contract again so they could afford uh, the Brown extension. It's just madness. Absolute madness. So let's look at it from the Eagles' side. basically. Jalen Hurts, the pressure is on. You have two stud wide receiver options. You can run and scramble. You should have more than enough capabilities between stretching the field with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Like, there really is not much of an excuse, especially considering you have a tight end uh, you can go to got Goddard. I mean, the passing attack for the Eagles, it's going to be predicated on Jalen Hurts' ability to be accurate, but that's why it's pressures on for Jalen Hurts. He has no more excuses because, you know, he's had solid enough floor. My personal assessment is that he trends very much along the lines of a Tyrod Taylor type of QB. Coincidentally enough, even though the Giants are in a salary cap hell situation, they signed Tyrod Taylor to $10 mil a year to back up Daniel Jones, which, again, is very curious considering you're in salary cap hell and you decide to spend $10 million on a backup QB. But, hey, uh, you know, the Giants beat the Giants. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, from an Eagles perspective, huge night. Absolutely massive night. It is all down to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, if he improves, Philly's going to win the division. They're going to win the NFC East. They're going to win it. If Jalen Hurts can actually improve enough as a passer. But Philly should win the NFC East now. I I think it, I think don't even think it's an argument between the Eagles and Cowboys with A.J. Brown in the wide receiver mix. I think the Eagles should be able to win this division as long as Jalen Hurts uh, shows more, continued signs of improvement at the QB spot. I still don't think he's a true starting QB. Like in that a uh, full 6th uh, 17 game season now, uh that he can play 10 good games, uh that you would expect out of a NFL to be an NFL starting QB, you should be getting 10 games. For backups, you're closer to 6 to 8. Like good backups. And I think that's where Jalen Hurts is. I think he's a very good backup. Yes, you could start, but realistically, you're probably not making the playoffs. But, when you have A.J. Brown and a Devonta Smith and got it underneath, it creates enough matchup problems where as long as the QB can get the ball out and be accurate with the passes, any QB should be able to succeed with that uh, that wide receiver career. He really has no excuse. Even with a bad offensive line, you should be able to scramble enough and be able to connect down the field with those receivers. Because of their talent level, they can get separation. That's the reality situation, and that's not even talking about the running back situation where you have multiple backs who can catch passes out the backfield in addition to running. You know, the Eagles are loaded on offense now. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I believe the NFC East belongs to the Eagles so long as Jalen Hurts shows even a modicum of improvement. All right. So let's actually talk about one of the other trades. Uh, Marquise Brown of the Ravens getting traded. So Hollywood Brown traded from the Ravens to the Cardinals uh, for basically a first round draft pick, which uh, uh, the uh, Baltimore used to grab a center in Tyler Lindenbaum at number 25. I mean I know Lamar Jackson is not happy about that trade. Realistically, Lamar and Hollywood never clicked. It never really worked. I get why the Ravens made this trade. They needed to get a little bit more athletic up front in blocking position. Uh they got ran into way too many injuries last year, as you know, I predicted was a potential scenario for the Ravens. They had gotten so fortunate with the injury bug over a couple of years. They were due to have a bad year with injuries. And so said, so done. That's how they ended up missing out on the playoffs because they were so banged up that even the decrepit Steelers got into the playoffs, uh, with, uh, uh big Ben, not able to actually throw a ball over 15, uh, yards with any velocity whatsoever. But, uh, you know the Ravens make this move. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to grab some uh, wide receiver options just because they let Miles Boykin go, uh, who busted uh, for them. Just a lot of questions at wide receiver for the Ravens, but it made it made sense. Uh, the Eagles also made another trade with the Texans uh, to get the number thirteen pick from the Texans, uh, and, and they got they moved up. I mean, they had ten. Uh, draft picks uh uh you know coming into the draft so y- they can afford to move up a couple of spots uh to uh, uh grab a jordan Davis uh uh and fill a need position at defensive tackle so you know i'm going to uh start recapping some of the rest of these signings i mean uh, uh drafts because the Texans. I, I don't understand the Texans, the lions, the, the giants shot themselves in the foot. I, 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 you know, that's what the giants do, but let, let's go back to the top of the draft and the Jacksonville Jaguars do all uh, a, ended up botching the draft. Once again, number one pick, uh, yeah, let, let's just talk about it. Number one pick. They take Trayvon Walker for, uh, From uh Georgia. Here's the problem. Georgia I mean, they had a loaded team, but Trayvon Walker put up some of the least impressive numbers over an entirety of a college career that I've ever seen from a number one pick. He only had nine uh, sacks over an entire college career. Not not one season, it just his entire college career. I mean, he just doesn't have the work product to even be considered a number one pick. I don't care how he measures from a combine perspective. You actually have to produce in college. That That's actually important because it's your game tape. It's what you actually do on the field. It, this has bust written all over it. I'm sorry. This, this is just one of those where it's like you take Hutchison uh, uh, from uh, Michigan, which the Lions did do. And you just if you're not trading back, you grab Hutchison. Like to me, the Jags, the Jags need help. Like I, I still think they needed more help on the offensive line. Uh so the fact that they grabbed uh defensive end was had me loving this draft so far because I knew the Lions would go uh, defensive end as well. Uh, and open up, uh, some, uh, spots for offensive, uh, offensive line for some of these other teams. Uh, so the lions go, uh, Aiden Hutchison at number two Hutchison, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think of it as like a hall of fame type player, but definitely someone I could see going to a pro bowl or two, uh, like just nothing like too crazy off the board, but I think you can get solid numbers, uh, from him in productivity i i just think that that was a safe pick in terms of production wise like i, I don't look at him as like you know a guy who's going to get you 15 sacks in a season but i definitely think he can get like uh high single digits and uh, probably get you 10 11 12 uh under the right setup in in certain years yeah i, I definitely think he can be productive and that's really what you're looking for in defensive uh, and I'm going to get into this with the Giants because you know we we go about this way too often about overthinking stuff. Um, at number three, the Texans didn't grab offensive ta- uh, offensive line help. I don't understand what they're doing. They grabbed Derek Stingley, cornerback uh, from LSU. Here's the thing, uh, you know, it, I don't understand. Uh, I don't really understand it because the Texans have so many needs. Yes, cornerback was bad for them, but they have so many needs that cornerback is a niche pick, in my opinion. Uh, when you are a bad team, I want to solidify offensive line and defensive line first. When you are a bad team, you you win in the trenches. Then you start grabbing the skill position players if you can't get quarterback. I don't understand grabbing a cornerback in this spot. Stingley, yes, he he is the best corner in the draft, in my opinion, but it didn't make any sense going there. Next up, Jets, Ahmad Gardner, uh, quarterback Cincinnati. I think Gardner's a third-round pick. I, I don't understand this. Uh, you know, yes, he he played well at Cincinnati. But he didn't play top tier talent every single week. I'm not taking a corner where they're not going up against the best week after week from a skill position set a standpoint and just going off of what you have in terms of the combine. I need a guy who's at least uh, going to be putting up the uh, extreme numbers when you're playing in a place like the American Athletic Conference. Like, you're just not going up against size of the scale that you're going to see in the NFL on a regular basis. Like to me, this is one of those picks where I don't understand the draft experts, like how we're doing the evaluations, because he didn't match up against uh, the size that he's going to be facing. It's just it's mind boggling. Like you're not ready for Stefan Diggs. It's not even close. Uh, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. Like, I think. If you told me he went in the 3rd round, it wouldn't shock me. Uh because uh, looking at his numbers, I don't see how he is drastically different from previous drafts and his it, it, his comparables. So like it to me, I think these teams start overthinking it and just go by, "Oh, well we need this position." I didn't think this was a great draft from for Corners. Like, I I don't know. I don't understand. You know, we know what the premium is. Like, if Stingley is gone, I don't think there's another corner here I'm taking until the second round. It's really that simple. Like, I I just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, That brings us to the Giants. With the number five pick. The Giants could have gone Ikem uh, uh, who was the best offensive tackle available in this draft. I, I I don't even think it's close. I think, you know, Iquano should have been the third pick for the Texans. The Giants could have drafted him at number five. Instead, the Giants draft Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end for uh, from Oregon. And there are multiple reasons why I can't stand this pick. First of all, you had your pick of the tackles available. You actually need two offensive linemen to fix the amount of issues with the Giants O-line. You're trying to evaluate Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley if they were actually viable draft picks or not. Or just complete busts with a just decrepit offensive line. Andrew Thomas, whom we've already seen, is getting slightly overmatched at left tackle. You're already considering moving him to right tackle. Why wouldn't you draft someone capable of playing left tackle and have the competition with Thomas? That way you can kick Thomas over to right tackle and and you can play Aquanu at left tackle. That was the first thing. Second thing is you also have your your pick of cross. Or Evan Neal. I truly believe Evan Neal is a guard. I don't think he's truly a tackle because of his size. When you have these oversized tackles, they have historically shown to have difficulty holding up over the course of an NFL career, especially when you play them at tackle. This is what happened with Eric Flowers. You had Marcus Cannon. you know, Trent Brown, uh, Makai Becton for the Jets, who the Jets fans, you know, got all my case when I said Makai Becton might eat himself out of the league. Great rookie year. Last year com- could not stay on the field, barely played any games, and now we still have questions as to what Makai Beckton's gonna look like uh, for twenty twenty two. You know, I'm just saying with the Giants, you could have taken a quan Wu, a Kwan-woo, and actually had someone capable size-wise of competing for the left tackle job with Andrew Thomas. Instead, you take Kayvon Thibodeau, who, first of all, didn't play in the SEC, played in the Pac-12, didn't have outstanding, eye-popping numbers than anything different than what you would have seen in the Big Ten or uh, uh, the SEC in terms of production, and we all know there were superior offensive linemen in both the Big Ten and the SEC. So he wasn't even going up against the top competition at uh, uh, co- uh, uh, against his own position, and he still wasn't dominating them. Like, Thibodeau was not far and away the best defensive end in the country last year. And that's what you have to be if I'm taking you from the Pac-12. What are we doing? Uh, again, we get caught up with the draft combine numbers and not the actual logistical reality of the situation. The other question is, you're taking a guy who's used to playing in the Pac-12 with sunny weather, and we're going to stick him in the uh, place where the majority of his games, uh, because you're playing in the Northeast, he's going to be playing 12 out of 17 games in temperatures below 40 degrees during the season. That's the reality. He's going to be playing in temperatures below 40 degrees when he's been playing out on the West Coast his entire college career. How's that going to work out? Like, I don't understand how people don't put two and two together when you go through these logistical assessments of players. You have to contemplate these factors. Like, he didn't play in cold weather at all in his college career. You don't even know how he's going to hold up. Then there's the whole personality matrix where he's been talking about his brand in every single NFL interview. The giants already have an issue with Kadarius, Tony not prioritizing football over all the other rapping and uh, social media uh, opportunities. He's been taking advantage for himself. And you bring this guy into the fold uh, along with it because there was already talk the Giants wanted to trade Tony, but you're you're gonna you're gonna draft Thibodeau at five. It, like it just it just reeks of just such dysfunction in this organization that they don't contemplate what like one hand's not knowing what the other's doing because if you're saying we want guys who are focused solely on the team and that's why you're uh, strongly considering trading Kadarius Tony. Then you can't be drafting Kayvon Thibodeau three days later. It doesn't make any sense. So uh, Thibodeau goes at five. Panthers, being smart, they take Quan Wu at six, and I, you know, it's just bottom line. It just made sense. Whoever, whomever is going to be the quarterback in Carolina this year, you need a blind uh, spot tackle, and I think Akwon Wu probably has a decent shot at beating out Andrew Thomas if he had been drafted by the Giants. Because we've seen that Andrew Thomas seems to be more of a tweener. And, you know, at best, your best case scenario for Andrew Thomas now is above average at left tackle. The Giants needed to upgrade left tackle. I think the Aquan would have been, uh, should have been the pick. Because the at seven, guess what? The Giants and people are jumping all over themselves saying, what a great uh, two picks the Giants had by taking Evan Neal at seven. Here's the issue with Evan Neal. I said it like the size of Evan Neal. I think he's a guard and not a tackle. So you still, in my opinion, the Giants still didn't address their tackle situation. They got a guard whom they're going to throw over at right tackle. And realistically, no clue how he's going to hold up. I'd be shocked if in five years, uh, aqua, uh, I mean, I'd be shocked in five years if Evan Neal is an offensive tackle for the New York football Giants. I think he'll end up moving the guard if he even is on the Giants roster because there's always a chance that the Giants uh, try to move on from him if he, if he b- busts in the first three years. Uh, you know, again, this is just straightforward, logical, Planning, and I don't see where the Giants do their due diligence. Because you know Andrew Thomas is struggling at left tackle, but we're assuming he's gonna be just fine. Because Evan Neal, you're you're putting him at right tackle. That's pretty much it. He he is not gonna be athletic enough to handle left tackle. So that means you are banking on Andrew Thomas solidifying the left tackle job. It's a lot of hoping. The plan should have been: you take Iqwan Wu at five. The Panthers most likely go with Cross at six because he's still a better tackle prospect at uh, uh at six than Evan Neal is at uh, left tackle. And then you grab Neal at seven and you slide him in at guard. That way, you actually have the size and strength across the offensive line. That you can plug and play like your veteran center, you can draft someone else in the third round at center. You don't have to go too crazy at center, but you have rebuilt your entire offensive line to give Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley a true, honest evaluation if they can actually propel the Giants to be at minimum a top twelve offense. If they, if you had rebuilt the offensive line in the fashion I'm laying out. If they can't be a top 12 offense next year, then you turn the page completely on both of them, and but you at least gave yourself the most honest assessment possible, because you know when you turn the page, you should be able to attract a free agent QB or a veteran QB via trade that you could just plug and play into the Giants offensive line, because they'll like it, all the hogs you have up front, and know that they can be protected. Which is something the Giants have not had in over a decade. It said the Giants do this, which is a half-assed job. Because guess what, Kayvon Thibodeau? Here's the thing: you paid, you paid uh, Leonard uh, Leonard Williams. You paid Leonard Williams top three defensive and money. You overpaid Leonard Williams. You picked up the option on Dexter Lawrence. Basically, you've already paid for your defensive line. Why are you paying these guys and you're in salary cap hell? And then saying, because the Giants defense wasn't that bad last year. It wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. What is Kayvon Thibodeau going to bring to the table other than additional help to a position that's supposed to be a source of strength already? Like, again, this is a niche pick. Your defensive line production was decent enough that it wasn't a sort... Like, if you were a good team, fine. You're looking for an edge. You are a god-awful team. You have so many needs on offense, particularly your offensive line, to make your actual offense function. You still have needs on the offensive line. You are still deficient on the offensive line. You've only gotten your offensive line from basically bottom three in the league, and now you are maybe 20th. If you had gotten the offensive line with just doing the two uh, draft picks, as I outlined, you probably get that offensive line already, even though they're raw and green offensive linemen, you probably get that offensive line to 15, uh, 15 to, uh, that 13 to 15 range just because of talent alone and size. That should, because of the skill position players the Giants are supposed to have. And if you truly believe in Daniel Jones, he should be able to improve and elevate in that position. That's how you get to be a top 12 offense. It's not that difficult, people. It really isn't that difficult. Like, if you play out the logic of what you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to team build, this is not that hard to do. The Giants half-assed a position that was already solid enough and could have been considered a position of strength, depending on how much you believe in Leonard Williams, and you grab the niche pick in Thibodeau. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You had big, bigger needs than uh, this for uh, the offense. I'm I'm sorry. It just... It's just mind-boggling, like, you can plan out for months, and this is the, you get the golden situation fall to you, and because you rated Evan Neal that high, and you, because you rated Thibodeau that high, again, I don't understand what you're thinking, because you, you already had other needs much higher than defensive line. It was much higher than the defensive line. I, I, again, I don't understand this organization and their thinking, because guess what? The, now, because of the Eagles trade, you look like an even bigger clown because realistically, you grab Thibodeau, your bigger need is actually at cornerback. But I think regardless, neither, neither pick was going to help you that much than the offensive line because you're going to need to score more points because the defense still isn't going to hold down the team like the Eagles. And you're already going to have trouble with the Cowboys. You needed to rebuild the offensive line to make the offense as good as it could possibly be to compete in the NFC East next year. Bottom line, that's how the Giants screwed up this draft and all these people who are and there are scores of people like celebrating the Giants draft of how uh, uh shown to hit it out of the park, uh you know, the Giants are back on track, the days of gentleman are over. I I'm sorry, you guys need to stop slurping yourselves. This is a massive circle jerk for no good reason all these players fell to the giants and they still mismanaged the process and because of the, the the stroke of genius of a trade that the eagles were able to pull off the giants look even more unprepared for the actual scenario that they're going to have to battle with during the year they they are not prepared to be competing against the eagles and cowboys this year not in not in their present form and Thibodeau again it's a niche pick. It looks even worse in the grand scheme of things because, yes, the pass rush, It does it improve? Yeah. Not enough to justify taking the guy at five when you need to rebuild the offensive line because you're going to have to score points against these teams regardless. That offensive line is still ain't there yet. It ain't. Not, it is not ready for primetime yet. Like It's not even close. And the defense is not holding down the teams you're going to have to go up against in the NFC East. Bottom line. All right. Moving on. At eight, the Falcons took Drake London from USC. You know, the the Falcons had to dra- draft wide receiver because of the Calvin Ridley situation. We've talked about the Calvin Ridley situation. I mean, this is the most telegraphed pick in the draft. Uh, you know, I think they still probably uh, needed uh, offensive line, to be honest, but They don't have anyone to throw to, and truth be told, without Matt Ryan, I don't even know if it makes sense drafting wide receiver. But you know, it is what it is with these teams. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. the The Falcons are going nowhere anyway, so we'll see how it pans out. I, you know, I just, I just think that Garrett Wilson probably is a better pick than London, but I'm not gonna go too crazy over this one because. The Falcons have no future right now, so it's just, it is what it is. At nine, Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State, goes there. It's funny how after Russell Wilson leaves, the Seahawks address offensive line. I just find it amusing. Like, it's almost as though Pete Carroll had a personal grudge against Russell Wilson and and refused to draft offensive line, and then as soon as he's gone, now Carroll drafts offensive line. I just think it's curious. Great pick. I just think it's really curious that now you decide to prioritize offensive line. Next up, the Jets. This is actually a good pick by the Jets. Garrett Wilson, off, uh wide receiver from Ohio State. Uh you know, I think you give Zach Wilson uh weapons. Uh you you pair him with more. I think the Jets have opportunity. The question is does Zach Wilson actually make improvements in year two because I thought he was overrated coming into the year he kind of proved my point but it's his rookie year he can make he can make the strides but Zach Wilson has to make a strong leap in year two because there was not a whole lot to talk about uh year one at 11 uh the Saints traded up to get uh Chris Olave. uh the Saints just don't have receivers. Uh, I mean, Michael T- Thomas is never playing for the Saints again, it seems. Uh, you know, so you grab another all, uh, wide receiver from Ohio State to replace the Ohio State man who's going out the door. So uh, I have no issues with the pick here. Uh, the Lions. This was a crazy trade. I don't know what the hell the Vikings are doing. The Vikings traded the number 12 pick and. Did not get a first round pick in return. What are the Vikings doing? The Vikings traded a number twelve pick just to move to move down twenty spots in the draft, and only grabbed a a, a uh, they they grabbed a, a third round pick. And wait, let me just confirm if it was a second round pick, and they swapped the second and the third. But they did not actually get a. They didn't get a first round pick. Like this is insane. You do not trade down from a top 15 pick unless you're getting a future first round pick. Like this is like this is draft rules one on one like from a draft math standpoint, the Vikings like did an indefensible trade. They they tra- yeah, they swapped they swapped second round picks with uh with the Lions. And only got a third round pick out of this. They oh they moved down twenty spots in the draft. Like this is criminal. You got a rookie GM for the Vikings, and yeah, uh, like uh, according to uh, uh, Jamie Fox, I am uh, I am I am being negative as a black man criticizing another black professional as a GM. But the truth of the matter is, like I got to be real with this. This is criminal from a draft math capital standpoint. There is a math to uh, the NFL draft as to what trades you should and should not be making. The simple fact of the matter is when you are in a top 15 position, if you are trading down, the math that goes into this is that you are either getting multiple picks in the second round or you are getting a future first round pick because a first round pick in the top 15 is worth a gold mine. It's not even close. The fact that the Vikings traded, basically traded out of the first round, essentially, and only got a third round pick out of the deal is cr- criminally negligent. It is negligent. So, Kwesi uh, Adolfo Mensa, yeah, he's a rookie GM, but this is criminally negligent. Because guess what? You screwed up the draft math and you enabled a division rival to actually pick up a useful wide receiver in return. Like, this is just like all kinds of degrees bad. It's not as criminal as the Titans trade just because you literally punted on a Super Bowl window. But this is is also an F-grade trade. It's like you got two F-trades. But like this is just like a basic valuation fail by the Vikings. Like it doesn't make it doesn't make up anything. Like I thought the I thought the Vikings truly had gotten a future first round pick out of it. Like that is the compensation, unless you are getting multiple second round picks and other third round. Like you like you're backloading a bunch of picks. Like you need multiple second and third round picks to somehow justify moving down 20 spots in the draft when you're in the top 15 pick in the first round either that or you get a future first round pick next year along with additional picks in, in the current draft like this is just basic math uh, uh equivalent for uh, the NFL draft like it doesn't make any sense how the Vikings handled this like I, I just think it's inexcusable inexcusable like uh, you, you gotta know better so you know, I talked about the Jordan Davis uh, 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 pick by the Eagles at thirteen, solid pick. Uh, the Ravens, uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure. Like they got a gra- linebacker in uh, Kyle Hamilton. I'm always, I'm always skeptical of uh, Notre Dame linebackers. Uh, I find they're pretty slow in general. They can't keep up with the game. Their strength is schedule isn't comparable with other teams that play in other uh uh other conferences because obviously Notre Dame gets to cherry pick their schedule every year. Uh I just I don't really get it. The Texans another they made another questionable uh pick uh with Kenyon Green whom most people had as a second round evaluation. Uh Washington, oh, man, the, the whew, uh a Penn state wide receiver. I I'm, I'm just moving on. Like, I, I can't even, I, I can't even say anything nice. So I'm just moving on. Like Washington has their own issues going on. Uh, you know, the chargers, uh, kind of questionable picks. Like I, I saw a bunch of random picks, uh, from the chargers. And, uh, uh, like in this range, like, the Chargers had a random pick. Uh, you had the Texans watching it. Like, dude, like a lot of random picks in uh, the later rounds of the first round that I, I feel as though some of these teams, they have different draft boards than everybody else. Uh, the Kenny Pickett trade by the Steelers at 20, this was terrible. Uh, th- this was terrible. Um, I'd, I don't understand Kenny Pickett being drafted in the first round. He's a second-round evaluation. I don't know who else was taking Pickett in the first round. It, it's just, we'll see. We shall see. I, I just, I don't, <laughs> I I think he's going to get beat out heavily. Uh, and you're, you're proud. This is the, this is the best news that Mitchell Trubisky could have gotten. I don't think, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky wanted to de- deal with Malik Willis at all. Can he pick it? Trubisky can beat out without question for years to come. I think Mitch Trubisky can beat out Kenny Pickett. So this is the big, this is the biggest boost to Mitch Trubisky's career since he got over, uh, overvalued and picked by the bears in the first place. Um, yeah, in terms of like some of these other uh, picks, uh, later on in, in the first round, nothing really stood out too much for me other than Jermaine Johnson going all the way at 26 to the Jets. And guess what? I think uh, Jermaine Johnson is just as qualified, if not more so than Thibodeau, whom the Giants grabbed at five. I'm just saying Jermaine Johnson's probably going to have better production than Thibodeau. And it wouldn't shock me in his first year. We'll see. We'll see. But. I would not be in the least bit surprised if Jermaine Johnson outperformed Thibodeau over the first uh, two years of their career. I think he he's a better pro player, pro prospect, I should say, than Thibodeau. Um, just being perfectly blunt. Uh, the Packers once again ignore wide receiver in the first round. Um, you know, you trade Devontae Adams and you don't draft any wide receivers in the first round. I, I just. I don't understand the Packers what they're doing. Uh, the The Patriots they draft Cole Strange, uh, a guard out of uh, University of Tennessee Chattanooga. I don't understand this trade. I mean this draft pick, and you know, I just saw a clip. It's of it's of Sean McVay uh, reacting to uh the Patriots drafting uh Cole Strange and it basically sums up exactly what we're all thinking what the heck is going on with New England because uh the Rams basically uh are like it's one of those moments of honesty that maybe the Rams would rather not say out loud but the Rams basically implied that Cole Strange was a third round pick uh in their in their mind and that's the truth of the matter: no one expected Strange in the first round. No one. So he, he, here, here's the clip. What's really, Strange really, just went. Oh my! Uh, UT Chattanooga to the first round. That? Hey, where is? How about that? And we wasted our time watching him, thinking he'd be at 104, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Sean McVay and uh, general manager Les need are laughing at the, the 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 bewilderment of the draft. It, it makes no sense that Cole Strange went in the first round. I don't understand what's going on in New England. Like, this is getting kind of scary now with Bill Belichick and the drafting because I know Cole Strange, like, everyone thinks the guy can play. But, again, we talk about this from a draft math standpoint if you think the guy's not going until the third round and most people consensus wise going to the third round at the earliest, you take in to second round going to the first round. Like this, this is getting strange. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't really get the, uh, I, I don't get what's going on with, uh, the Pat, uh, the Patriots at all. Uh, it, this is a very strange, uh, development, but, uh, yeah, those are my thoughts about the first round in general it was a lot about the trades uh you know we we didn't have the sexy uh quarterback picks thankfully the people fawn over like this is about like teams figuring it out and i still think teams butcher this by and large so uh a lot to consider moving forward but uh we'll see how the rest of the draft goes but uh i already told you like some of the biggest losers in this draft i i think are the tennessee titans i, I just don't understand how an organization just says salary is too big of a deal we're just going to give up and just concede that we're not going to be contending for the super bowl this year it just makes no sense to me so uh i'm going to leave it on that note uh, uh thanks for listening folks and until next time have a good one thanks for listening to the fantasy throwdown podcast Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.